Good day, everybody. This is Perak Spieichler. I hope everybody is well. And that as we begin, you thought I was going to say as we begin the New Year's, didn't you? No, we've begun the New Year uh, in Tishrei. But, you know, you can wish um, our, um, our fellow Americans, members of other nationalities or religions, you can't, I understood that you could wish them a good New Year because for them it is the beginning of the New Year. And actually, I heard a fascinating thing. I can't tell you all the... the the chorus for it, but there was a very, very big rove, I mean a very, very big rove, I'm talking about hundreds of years ago, who said that because of the way the, the non-Jewish holidays are structured, and because of the way that they celebrate the 1st of January based on some type of, uh, of Roman uh, Mishagas, but the fact that they celebrated in the, in the very unsanctified way that they do, the fact that they celebrate it in a way which is kind of empty and void, <clears throat> I mean, most resolutions that many people make in that context don't even last beyond, you know, the next morning. He said that in a way, when a Kurdish Baruch who sees, sees this, that it, it strengthens how, however, however that means. Um... The new year, Lahabdullah of those that we celebrate, commemorate, sanctify, and elevate Rosh Hashanah, and somehow that activates all those brachas that were given on Rosh Hashanah, the real Rosh Hashanah. You hear this? If you're in the sound of my voice and you hear this, it's got to blow your mind. This is the first time I heard it. I really want to get more information on it, but I did hear it from a reliable source. So that in a way, this, this Takufa, this time frame has a beginning in the beginning in Tevis, and we get again coming into Shvat, right? And this is the deepest, darkest part of the winter. This actually, in some way, corresponds. I don't know exactly how. It's an amazing concept. to activating the brachas that were given to us in Rosh Hashanah. So, in any case, every 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 tukufa is propitious for Am Yisrael. Remember what Reb Hutner said. Misha Nicholas Adam Marbu Vesimka, and when Av comes until Mashiach comes, Mir Besimka. But notice, always Besimka, always Besimka, a little bit more, a little bit less, but always Besimka. All right, Pellets B, a.k.a. The Reb, and uh, we have been trying to get those all for the boss things that we had a, 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 a kind of a, not kind of, it was a, <laughs> a major technical difficulty, which we are working out. And when I say working on it, I mean we're fixing it, Bez Hashem. So all of you, I mean Malki in the Regency, and uh, all our good friends out there, whoever you are, wherever you are, that called in, Bleen Netter, Bleen Netter, I hope to get uh, at least the audio version out to you at some point in the near future, or send you something else as a consolation in the meantime. But um, don't think that we forgot about, about doing it. Meanwhile, I'd like you to give us a call here on Jeru to let me know what's on your mind. And how you're going into these um, midwinter months with a with an attitude of optimism? What do you do aside from running to Florida? I'm not saying you shouldn't, but now that you're here in the deepest, darkest part of the winter, what are you doing to keep up your spirits? Are you learning more? Are you diving more? Saying more to Helen? What are you doing to get yourself up and going and making yourself as great as you possibly can? Seven one eight. Six eight three five eight five eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. I'd like you to join the Reb Club 
by dropping me an email at EICHLER, EICHLRmedia at gmail.com. I'll tell you how you can become a member and get all sorts of um, nifty information and uh, uplifting, informative, and edutainment materials that we'd like to get to you by becoming a member of the Rev Grow for Greatness Club. Drop me a line at, at EICHLERmedia at gmail.com. This is Parents B, a.k.a. the Rev, the Rev with the cause, the cause is you. I don't claim to know everything, but you can't talk to me about anything. What's on your mind today? What's bothering you? What do you want to talk about that maybe can uh, help you break through a barrier? Break through a barrier that maybe is holding you back a little bit. Let's see if we can talk about it in a relationship with a, with a, with a, with a kid, with a, a friend, a business associate, or something that personally you feel you would like to overcome and you'd just like to get over that hurdle. And we can talk it and walk it through together. Again, I don't claim to know everything. I only have one degree in psychology, but I've been coaching for the past two decades through the wonderful training that I've gotten through my mentors. And uh, as a talk show host, one of the things we learned to do is to listen. And we're here to listen to you. J-Root, J-Root Radio, the station that does listen to you because we care. Everybody at J-Root. And that means we are here for you. And that means that you have an opportunity to listen up to those things which are hopefully going to be elevating and educational in an entertaining way, most of the time we hope so, in a way that's informative, that doesn't talk down, but talks to you and with you and listens to you. A, a talk show that actually listens. You know, greatness is utilizing your potential, regardless of what that potential is. And my good friend, Rabbi Zelig Fliskin, who I have learned so much from, brings this down in the Parsha that we've just come out of in Parsha Shmos. One of the things that we learn is that greatness is utilizing your potential, regardless of what that potential is. Your potential may not be to uh, be a brain surgeon, nor should you be. Your potential may lie in the fact that you're a great mother. Your potential may lie in the fact that you are a great overall parent, that you're a great friend, that uh, you speak to people nicely, that you're a great nurse, you're a great teacher. Or you're somebody working behind a, a cash register in a store. You're working in a grocery store. You're working in a shoe store. Maybe you're not working and you're at home and you're looking for work. Or maybe you're learning Torah full-time. Whatever it is that you're doing, greatness is in utilizing the potential of your innate God-given abilities, regardless of what that potential is. And where do you see that? Vayomer bi adeni shalachna biyad tishlach. When Moshe was told by Kodesh Baruch that he would be the leader to approach Paro to demand freedom for the Yidden, what did Moshe Rabbeinu reply? Please, my master, send anyone else. Now listen to this. Moshe Rabbeinu, the greatest Navi that ever was. Please, by Kodesh Baruch please send anybody else. Now listen to the Ramban, says the Ramban explains that Moshe told the Kaddish Baruch to send anyone, anyone else, because there's no other person in the world who's not more fitting for more fitting than me for this mission, Hashem. Now, don't you think that's a little bit puzzling? At first glance, it certainly is. How could Moshe sincerely have thought himself as unworthy? Rukhaim of Elijah explained that even if a person is very intelligent and wise and has accomplished very much, he nevertheless might not be working as hard as 
he or she should or could. Could and should. Should and could and could and should. You should, you should, you should. You could, you could, you could, you could. Now, only if you would. You got it? Okay. With his talents and abilities, he might have accomplished very much if he only tried harder. On the other hand, on the other hand, a person who seems to be very lowly, maybe that person is doing all that he or she can. The lowly person is reaching his or her potential, while the great person might be far from it. That daunting thought. <coughs> but don't be daunted by it, because we're going to get over that. And for this very reason, Moshe felt that he was unworthy in his humility. He thought that he was more distant from being all that he could be than everybody else. Brought down by Rukhayim Volozhin in Rukhayim. Now, this, my dear friends, is a lesson for two types of people. What are the two types of people? Let's see if you are either one of them. Those who feel arrogant and conceited because of their great intellect. Now, most people with arrogant intellect aren't going to admit that, that they are, so we know what we're talking about there. Those who feel arrogant and conceited because of their great intellect and accomplishments, like one of the current presidential candidates I'm thinking about, and uh, they should be aware that perhaps maybe just after maybe they're far from reaching their potential, and this should lessen their inflated feelings about themselves. For this exact same reason, those who are trying very hard to act in an elevated manner and put a lot of effort, they should be envious or even disheartened when they see others apparently accomplishing more than them. Wow. Do you ever feel like that? you ever seen somebody who's accomplishing something say, why are they doing it and why am I not doing it? Hey, don't knock yourself. Pick yourself up and get in there. And with Hashem's help, you'll do it. One's true spiritual level cannot be measured by any human being. They are mortal. There is no accurate, objective means of evaluating any person. The true and only level of each person is based entirely on effort, how much you try. And only that a cutter's fall can, can measure. He knows how hard you're trying. He knows how, how hard it is for you to get up in the morning, get out of bed. I got to do it. I'm too tired. I want to get under the covers. Oh. You get up and you go daven with energy, and you got and you, and you, and there's a job that you don't particularly feel like going to, or something you don't feel like doing, or a dental, or whatever it is. But you make the effort. Hashem knows how hard you're trying. You remember that story I once told you? I think I told it to you. Remember, a mother walks into the room, and her son is under the covers. She says, Harold, Harold, you got to get up and go to school. I don't want to go to school. Harold, you got to get up. You got to go to school. Hurry up. Everybody's waiting. I don't want to go to school. The teachers don't like me and the kids don't respect me. Harold, you got to get up. You're the principal. Harold, <laughs> <laughs> he's the principal of the school. He's lying under the covers. He's in his, in his house. His mother's waking him up. Get up. You don't want to do it. Your potential is great. You gotta say, with Hashem's help, I can do it. I will do it. I must do it. I gotta do it. My piano teacher when I was eight years old told me that. You can, you will, and you must. As opposed to something to say, I can't, I won't, and I don't have to. Yes. If you are somebody who's not motivated, that's the way you're gonna feel. But if you feel 
HaKadosh Baruch has given you something. Just the fact that you got up this morning is a bracha. Everybody has potential. You don't have to be Donald Trump, Kaspershom. Whoa, who wants to be that? Or even the greatest Lahavil Jewish real estate mogul. You don't have to be that. He's that Kavaltik. Let him use in good health. You only have to be you. You have your own great potential. You can accomplish so much today. A smile that you give somebody is worth more than a trillion dollars. Well, what do you think? Do you agree with me? Do you disagree? Something you'd like to feel more motivated and excited about? Come on, give me a call. 718-683-5858. Must be something on your mind that you'd like to try and work through. Do you feel that like you're reaching your potential greatness? Something that's holding you back? What's bothering you? What's on your mind? Let's talk about it. Let's tell us. For your tell us. If you don't want to identify yourself, you don't. But if you want to schmooze, we're here for that. Parents B, a.k.a. the Reb, licensed by the state of awareness to live life. There's the shim to its fullest. 718-683-5858. I want to thank everybody at J-Root, Iran, our producer, and, of course, um, everybody at J-Root, the whole office and uh, every host on the show, making it a, uh, a station that wants to do the most to give you the most out of your day, wherever you are riding the car or at home, or maybe you're in a room somewhere reading, or uh, maybe you're, in a, you're recuperating from an illness, or maybe you're, um, you're just thinking about what you can do to make your life better today. Well, one of the things you can do is make somebody else's life better. Put a smile on their face. Ask your spouse, what can I do to make you happy today? Ask your mother or your father, what can I do to make you happy today? What can I do for you today? They say it's a gula, for Shalom Bias, that a wife should fold her husband. People say the biggest segula is wash the dishes for your wife or the showers. That's a bigger segula. Anyway, what's on your mind today? Parents B, a.k.a. The Reb. We are here at 718-683-858. Hello, how are you? Hello. Hello, good morning. What's on your mind today? Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, neighbors to self-invited. We're going to keep trying to do better. What about yourself? I'm good. I keep hearing you saying, you know, give a call, give a call. I'm out doing errands. I figured I would give a call. I have a question for you. Okay. You want me to give you the answer before you ask it or after? Usually it goes after. Okay. We'll start with that. What What can I help you with? Okay. Um, you know, it's a little disturbing. I'm just a woman with kids, you know, like many out there. And it's a little mean? disturbing. Well, why, to... uh, you don't, that, that's not the part that you find disturbing, though, is it? No. But it's a little disturbing to constantly hear about women that either get divorced, didn't get divorced, often they got divorced, and then they went off the darach, and I don't know what goes on with the kids. I don't get really involved. I don't, like, you know, get into people's lives. But it's it's kind of disturbing to keep hearing about women with families. You know, it used to be the Jewish Observer was writing about kids on the fringe, and it was like a new phenomenon, teenagers, and what are we going to do about it? I'm just trying to understand what could the root of such a situation be? Is it all bad marriages that make people go off the dark once they are out of it? Why is it? Uh, are they really not being accepted by society for the divorce and the choices they made? What is it that's going on that's creating this problem? Because I like to understand problems so that you can avoid them. I'm happy. I don't have any issues. But I think it's good to understand what's going on around us. Well, let me understand the question. The okay. way I understand you're saying it is that you're saying women in particular that get divorced 
you're saying that there's a tendency or there's been some type of trend for them to go off the derrick? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I keep hearing. I keep hearing people we know, people we've heard of, people that seem stable to us. Were they all abused? Was it all drama? Was it all something huge? Is there something big? That's Why is this constantly happening? Maybe I don't know. Maybe all of them had severe abuse. But growing up, we heard of teens at risk. I never heard of women at risk. And it's a little, you know, like, I don't know what the word is, but it's a little... Uh... Well, we're living in a society, first of all, where everybody is at risk. I mean, I remember going to... Uh... To a seminar, and Rabbi Ronnie Greenwald was saying, maybe we got to start thinking about seniors at risk. And you know, the Gemara yeah. talks about uh, a famous Rav who was like, you know, 80 years old. I mean, Achari, we were in there. was a coin guttle went, went off. I mean, it says, Perkeo, this person can't trust themselves to the day that they die. So everybody's really at risk. The real, but the real question here, what you're saying is, was this a, a result of what happened, or was it just a, an excuse? for what happened. And right. oftentimes, I'm not saying all the time, but I know in one particular instance that I know of, uh, in, an, in an area that I'm very familiar with, I mean, one day, this particular woman is uh, married, wearing a shaitel, kids are all going to yeshiva, and next thing you know, she's, you know, off to the races with, with, with some low life, and she appears on some uh, low life talk show, talk, and bashing the Orthodox community. Yeah. Now, did that happen that. as a result of something in her marriage, or was it something that was just lying latent, and she was just looking for the excuse to do it? I mean, I can tell you, based on what I saw in my observations, this was something that was festering inside of her, and she had these problems long before that, and they were just waiting to happen. When I was in so my question school, really is, because is, I'm not here to gossip about other people, my question really is, is no, as a parent raising my own kids, what is it that I want to be sure of? I'm sorry, what? No, as raising my own kids, obviously, what is it that I want to be sure of? What are those key things that and nobody could be sure of anything, but what is it that's so important that 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 something went wrong over there? What is is there like a common denominator between people going off and something that as parents we can work to avoid? Is yeah, there you know, you know there everybody certain, has there difficulties? Are, there are certain things that there yeah. are certain ingredients that will feed it. If parents don't get along with each other and they fight in front of each other all the time, that will that's kind of like a, a formula for uh, fostering discontent in the kid, which then could lead to a kid going off. Or it could be a kid who has been abused. But more often than not, I'm not saying that it's not all the time, if, if you look at the, the, the people that, that go off, a lot of times it's set off by a family situation where the person feels rejected or they were physically abused. But I just read an article now about a woman whose mother was very abusive to her, and this woman remained from she made a choice. Let's say, let's say the impetus is, right, you, you're saying you really, as a mother, you want to be on guard against these things. So there are certain things which are just recipes for disaster and other things which are recipes for success but are not guarantees. In other words, a person treats their children with respect. They give them a lot of love. They pay attention to them. They don't just give them quality time. They give them quantity time. There's harmony between the husband and wife. When they have to... F- disagree about something, they don't fight in front of the kids so that the kids feel victimized, as I've, I've seen. But often, but often, what happens is that 
a child will do something, and whatever the reasons were, let's say whatever the reasons were, and they were justified reasons that the kid took a right turn somewhere, ultimately, ultimately, what has to be conveyed to a child is that, listen, Tatula, listen, Mamala, you are your own person. The Torah is given by Yerusha. It's an inheritance, but you have to claim that inheritance. And as I've told my kids, and as I, you know, as I speak with parents and other friends and colleagues, and I have friends who are very, very firm people, and they have a great marriage. And, you know, three kids will be great, and two kids will be off the deep end. Why? Because these kids decided to do something, not because of abuse. And they have to realize that ultimately it's their decision, and you take responsibility for your life. So they have to understand that. The planting and the building that Red Wolba talks about, and it's a great book, by the way, you should get hold of it. Go to your local bookstore today. It's a very thin volume. It's in English and Hebrew. It's called Planting and Building by Reb Wolba. You got the title? Yes, thanks. Well, and there's also another great book by, Rob, by Robert Gantz called Success, which I really like very, very much. It's probably still in print, which are really very, very wonderful. And there's another book that my, my daughter just showed me. It's called Inside Out. I don't know who it's by, but just take down the title. I think I've seen that. These are mm-hmm. books which are not just general, uh, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. They're, they're very well thought out, and they're by people that have a good deal of insight. And you take a look at that, take a look at Inside Out, take a look at this book called Inside Out by a woman, by the way, who has a lot of insight, and she gives you case scenarios how to walk through things. I think the real key and the real ingredient to all of this is there has to be harmony in the house. If there are disagreements, don't do it in front of the kids. Communication. Communication is very, very important. Know where your kids are. Let them know that you're concerned about them. And, and have dialogue. Is there anything that's bothering you? What's going on at school? I'm not talking about being a helicopter mom. I'm just saying the, the warning signs beforehand are when we don't know where our kids are or what they're doing. I know my wife, Lozangazon, when my, uh, my two married daughters were, were younger, she used to watch very carefully who were their friends, what are they bringing home, you know, what are they looking at, what are they watching, uh, what are their friends watching, what are they, and she would, you know, keep really close tabs on it. And if there were any warning signs, she would nip it right in the bud. And she said, okay, look, I want to know what's going on. Let's talk about it. I think open lines of communication are important and that your children know that you care about them and that you love them, which you sound like you, like you do. So I don't know that you know, a cursed person can do more than just being a great, loving parent. And these people who go off in terms of the divorced women who go off, I can't say for sure that it was a function of abuse or it was a function of their own desire just to throw things off, and this became the excuse for it. I was going to mention to you before, when I was in graduate school, and... Uh, was the, I'll date myself, but do you remember the Kent State riots? Mm-hmm. During the Kent State riots, they were, they were rioting in Kent State in Ohio. When I was in the school further south in Ohio University, I was doing my graduate work there, and one morning we walk into class, and the professor, who was a nice guy, says, good morning, everybody, we're going to continue our lesson today. And one guy gets up and says, ah, that's a lot of propaganda, and he starts throwing a chair. The next thing you know, there were bricks being thrown through the, um, through the bookstore windows that were down, down the block. It had nothing to do with propaganda. It had nothing to do with, um, with the cause at hand. These guys wanted a, wanted a riot. They decided that they were just going to be, uh, be Hefker, 
and throw things over. So sometimes the trigger has nothing to do with what's latent inside the person. A lot of times these people that go off, they're just looking for an excuse. If it's genuinely because of abuse or something like that, so those can be addressed by counseling, but a person has to want it. You can, you know, you can lead a horse to water, you can make them drink, but you can make them thirsty. If a person really, really wants to get to the cause of an issue, they'll speak to somebody, they'll speak to a therapist, they'll speak to a coach, they'll speak to a counselor. But communication is important. But if, like this lady I mentioned to you, it's just lying dormant for years, she was just waiting to throw that shaitel off. She was just, you know, waiting to go do whatever she was going to do. All she needed was the, you know, the slightest excuse to do that. I hear. So let's not, let's not try and give people excuses, but let's, you know, understand that it starts in our very own homes, and it's not anybody to blame other than the fact that we have to pay more attention to each other, be more considerate, speak in a nice way. I would tell you that's a great way to start. Everybody should read the Gerasa Ramban once a week and maybe, you know, uh, read it with the family. And ask your husband. I ask your kids, okay, what can I do for you today? And your kids should certainly ask you as a mother, Mom, what can I do for you today? Wouldn't that be great if they, wouldn't you feel great if your kids came and said, Mom, what can <laughs> I do for you? Not yet. They're a little young, but yeah. <laughs> well, that's even better because you can start by say, okay, um, Shandy, Moshe, let's ask Abba today, what can I do for you today, Abba? And Abba should say, Shandy, Moshe, did you go over to Mommy and say, Mommy, what can I do for you today? Imagine if that became like a regular part of the day. Well, you know, on that point, I hear of a lot of women that go to parenting classes. I have nothing against it. There's just one aspect of classes that tell you what to say. And I do think that parenting, being a good parent, is about tapping into your self, learning yourself, being real to yourself and to your kids. Everyone speaks differently, has a different style. They express love differently. Some women are artsy who, you know, share themselves through art. Some like to sing, some not. If one woman's going to get up and say, this is how you should say it, I think children get the feeling that it's slightly fake. Not to say that we shouldn't learn from ideas of positive words, you know. It definitely has to be in your own words. But I think everybody has a universal sprach and language where you can say, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we just said, what can I do for you today? I know a, a couple who was married for 50 years, and I asked them what the secret of their, the happiness in their marriage was. And they both looked at me with a twinkle in their eye, and they said, when we get up in the morning, we think, we think to ourselves, what can I do to make my wife or my husband happy? And they often speak it out. Hi, what can I do to make you happy today? And if you imagine if you said that, numerous times during the day, even if you didn't mean it and you said it in other words, um, you might find a big change, even if you're just going through the motions. And, you know, there's some politicians who say, be sincere whether you mean it or not. People know when you're sincere. If you honestly tell somebody, a spouse or child, um, okay, let's see, what can we do to put a, you know, to make you, make things a little bit easier for you today? Or if a spouse would say that, or a child would say it, even if, you know, you use other words, but you just let them know that you're there for them. You know, you're in a leadership position, and when you get off the phone, I'm going to say over something else about this idea about what, what it is to be in a leadership position as a parent. Because there are two very important qualities. What do you think those two qualities might be that, that you exhibit to your kids? What do you think the two most important character traits that you exhibit to your kids are the most important for you for them to see? What would you think? 
no, honesty, I would think. Honesty? That's a great one. What about patience and tolerance? Can we I all hear. say that we're as totally patient as we need to be with our spouse and our kids? Can we all say that we have the savlonas and the tolerance, that they do things that just drive us to the brim? Or is it a, a hair trigger, the drop of a hat, anything that set us off? So that might be one of the answers to what you're talking about. When we, our kids see that we're patient and tolerant, I know in the moments where I've been short-tempered, my kids pick up on it right away. When they see that I'm, they, I'm particularly patient with something, say, gee, Ta, how come that didn't set you off? That sets a tone in the house. So it's something we all have to work on. Anyway, I want to thank you for your call. I thought it was very pensive. Thank and you very thoughtful. much. Yeah, our pleasure. Right here on JRU. Perrins B, a.k.a. The Reb, what's on your mind today? Hi, how are you? Hello? Okay. You can give us a call at 718-683-5858. Anybody in a, leader, in a leadership position has to develop these traits of patience and tolerance. They're absolute sine qua nons. Not only that, but they are prere- <laughs> they're prerequisites. And where do you see it in, uh, in Porsche's air? Where do you see it? Where do you see that anybody in a leadership position has to develop the traits of patience and tolerance? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. Kurdish Baruch spoke to Moshe and Aaron, and he commanded them about B'nai Yisrael. Hi, how are you? Yeah, hello? Yes, how are you today? Yes, I'd like to comment on the, on the uh, on what the. I'm, I'm very glad that you brought up that question because it's really a basic question and uh, and for all of us to think about and uh, you know it, it can change our lives if, if we think about that question and and uh, you know it's, uh, at least to train our children from now on, even ourselves. Uh, am I on now or? Uh, yeah, no, you're definitely on. So oh. let's just restate the question. How do you understand the question? Well, I, I, she's asking what's going on. She sees so many, you know, the divorces that, that are after they uh, divorce, they, they're going off. But the question is, why were they, a lot of people, you hear a lot about people getting divorced because they don't realize even why they're getting married. They don't, they, they think they just, what's in it for me? And that's, uh, like you were mentioning, to have Savlanas and to say, what can I do for the other one? That's number one. But also... I think it's also to be uh, realized that Hashem, uh, to put Hashem in the picture also, that uh, if, if, if something isn't exactly going my way, it's Hashem wanted it this way. And also the Simcha Sachayim, and uh, if, if we raise our children or, or if we're raised in such a home, that there's Simcha Sachayim, we're happy to do for Hashem, we're happy to, uh, you know, do what Hashem commanded us, and, and when we're living for Hashem, and everything that we have is from Hashem and for Hashem, then it's going to be a different life. It's, it's, it, that person can grow up happy and accept things, uh, whatever happens, and know that that's the best for that person. And no matter what it is, and, and they wouldn't even get divorced so fast. And even if they do, they realize this is also from Hashem and see, well, how, how, what can I do now? What, how, you know, uh, I know this is the best for me, and now what should I do from now? You sound like you're speaking from... Um, a point of view of experience. Do you yourself, do you have your not, family? Not Baruch Hashem, I'm married. I have uh, married children or everything, but uh, I take anything that happens to me that it's from Hashem and see what maybe Hashem is trying to wake me up about something. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe Hashem is giving me the schos that if uh, I wouldn't answer back, 
uh, whether it's uh, in my family or whether it's out of my family, something happens, and then, uh, then a person that doesn't answer back has the kaiyach to give a bracha or to 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 <laughs> to even give themselves a bracha to have good things happen to them. Maybe Hashem right now wanted me to gain something good, and He uh, uh, had somebody uh, say something that I, I wasn't so happy about, and I didn't answer back. Very interesting. You know that that's a subject and a topic for. A program in and of itself on not answering back. I just yesterday. It's interesting you mentioned that. And yesterday, the day before, if you look in the Chofetz Chaim, the Seder of Shmir Salashim Seder Chofetz Chaim, that's one of the things he emphasizes is that when a person doesn't answer back when they're insulted, when they're insulted, they get the reward that even a Malach can't imagine. Now it's interesting what? you should mention that particular quality. I'll, I'll tell you something interesting, and tell me what you think about this. Um, one of my grandchildren was being bullied in the in the school, and they went to a you know decent decent yeshiva out of town somewhere. And one particular person was bullying him, and he said to me, "Zadie, what should I what should I say to the person?" So everybody came up with, "Oh, don't do you know say this and you know tell him I'm, I'm not going to take it." So at first, you know, my I, I was thinking of something clever for him to say, like he he does magic tricks. So I said, "Well, you could tell him um, abracadabra." I'm going to make you disappear. Unfortunately, that's a trick I can't do. Or something like, uh, I'm going to turn you into the biggest, meanest bully in the world, abracadabra. Whoops. See, it worked. And then I thought, wait a second. Why am I trying to tell him clever answers? I said, you know, there is this statement by the Chofetz Chaim, and it's brought down in many places, the Vilna Gon brings it down, that if you remain quiet when you're insulted, when somebody says something to you that's mean and, and unpleasant, you don't answer back. That is the biggest sign of strength. Now, imagine telling this to, you know, a 12-year-old boy. We, as adults, have difficulty with it, right? Somebody says one wrong word to us, looks at a cross-eyed, and all of a sudden we're giving it back to them both barrels. But what you're saying is when we learn not to answer back, as this mida of Savlonis that we're talking about, our kids see that, and they learn to not respond, or respond by not responding that way, we're creating a generation of people that are really going to be great. Wouldn't you think so? Yeah, well, it says about uh, Rachel that she, because she was quiet, and then she had the Marat Chatzadik and Esther Malka, that they didn't, uh, that they uh, didn't uh, give away. She didn't uh, re- uh, reveal who she was, you know. So they brought Geula. She brought Geula, Rachel, <laughs> you know, and then Shalom Melech was from her. All, all with that same midah that they didn't reveal and they didn't answer back. They didn't, you know, they, he, she, she didn't answer back to Leah. She said, "Who?" Or you take away my husband, and you know, and she could have every reason to answer her back. Terrific. I think I think you, in specific, uh, <coughs> women of your caliber, in general, should be giving outreach serum to other women. I, I think you should think about it. I think you have a, a vast amount of experience and wisdom which you just conveyed now. I think you should, you know, get a women's group together and and talk about these things on a on a weekly basis. And let me know when you do. Invite me to come and speak, and I'll be happy to, to launch your initial thing for you anytime you want. You can reach me at iCrewMedia, E-I-C-H-O-E-R Media, gmail.com. I'd be happy to come and speak before your group. And I think that you, personally, should be speaking to, to other women and convey these thoughts. I want to thank you for calling J-Root. Thank you. B. Hey, the Reb. Thanks for joining us. Okay. I want to get along with this particular thought, and I want to thank these uh, wonderful people for calling and sharing these thoughts. There is such a wealth of knowledge within our, our community. So many people have so many things to share, and we're always interested in learning more 
and growing. And that's what I really appreciate about the J, appreciate about the J Root audience is that people are mivakshim; they're they're seekers. So Akadosh Baruch Hu spoke to Moshe and Aaron, and he commanded them about Bnei Yisrael. Now Rashi, if you look here, comments that Akadosh Baruch Hu commanded Moshe and Aaron to lead them gently. They were told to have patience in dealing with Kral Yisrael. And the Shalah writes, it's a lesson for any person in a position of leadership. Now, leadership could mean any position where you're in a position of authority. And by the way, as I said, who is an authority that's in a greater position to influence than parents or grandparents? Be very careful not to get angry at the people you're dealing with. Boy, who can say that we all haven't fallen in that? Watch out that you don't scream and shout. The reward for a leader who has this patience is very great. Again, you can substitute the word leader for parent or grandparent. There are two possible attitudes for a person in a position of leadership. What, what are those two possible attitudes? One, personal power. The person seeks leadership for his own ego. Ooh, I would say within the current presidential race, how many people would you say would fit into that category? They demand that people listen to them because of selfish vanity. And that type of leader will become angry when people don't follow his orders. How dare they disobey me? I can think of one candidate I can think of right off the bat that's like that. Their entire focus is only, only on their own success. It may look like they're trying to help other people, but it's only on their success. The only reason they care about other people is because that's how they're going to be successful. The people they deal with, they're not their goal, just a means toward an end, a stepping stone. The end is the own, their own self-aggrandizement and power. Man, are we describing somebody that we know about? That leader will get angry easily. But the ideal way for a leader to lead, the Torah ideal of leadership, is punkfikir, is exactly the opposite. The entire goal, the matara of leadership, is to help as many people as you can. Help as many people as you can. The focus is on the benefit of the people you're dealing with. And that leader's focus is on being service to others. When they're suffering, he realizes that they're likely to be moody and complaining. The more difficult they are to deal with, the greater the need for patience and tolerance. It's exactly the opposite. You see a child who's being moody and difficult. So what do you do, throw in the towel, or do you, or you develop more patience and more tolerance? That was what the Almighty commanded the first leaders of the Jewish people. And that, my dear friends, is the model for all future leaders, including... Every single one of us that's a parent or grandparent. Because, because, regardless of whether you have authority over a large amount of people who are working for you or with you, or just a small group of people, such as a, a class that you're teaching, or, or your own kids or grandchildren, this lesson applies to you and to me. Every difficult encounter is a tool for growing in the mida and the trade of patience. You know, someone very who was having problems, consulted the Kazanish. And uh, he consulted him very frequently, and he once spoke to him in a manner that he thought would get the Kazanish angry. And he realized he slipped up, and he thought maybe, oh, the Kazanish is going to be angry. So he, he asked the Kazanish, please don't become angry with, with, with him. You know what the Kazanish said? In my store, this product does not exist. In the Kazanish's store, he didn't carry that product losing his temper. We all know there are things that get each and every one of us angry. 
But can you imagine if it didn't even exist on the shelf of your product line? You don't carry anger in your store. You don't keep it on your shelf. Now, I want to leave you with one other thought today. If you want to call me right now, you can, on any thoughts that you have, how Savlanus helps you in your own life or how you'd like to develop patients. My number is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. I'm going to leave you with two of the most powerful words you're ever going to hear in your life. Out of all the powerful words that you're going to hear, each of, each of them will be powerful. I'm going to leave you with these two thoughts. I want you to think about it, and if you want to call me, you can contact me. But I want you to listen. Wherever you are, I'm telling you that this advice, which I personally got from Rabbi Zelig Pliskin, is going to be worth gold and diamonds for you. One of them is particularly propitious at this time of year where people in the, in, in the, the world that you and I travel in are familiar with, not our world necessarily, but... Well, the world that makes resolutions on January 1st, let's put it that way, okay? In this week's Parsha, right now, there's something that reminds us to remember our resolutions and insights, and something that reminds us to be firm with your principle, but flexible with your approach. Now, fasten your seatbelt for this. I'm going to go buy it pretty quickly. You can call me, we can talk about it. But I want you to listen to this, put it in the back pocket of your mind, and on the cerebral cortex on your the frontal part lobe of your brain and think about it and activate it today and then call me and let me know if you activated it. You ready? It says, Entreat Hashem that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail and I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. Those are the words of Paro. Remember Paro? Right? The one that didn't want to let us out of Mitzrayim? Now, during the plague of the Barad. He says, Entreat God that there be no more mighty thunderings in hell, and I will let you go. You shall stay no longer. Yeah, right, okay. Rabbi Yerkim Levov has commented that Paro did not mean to lie when he told Moshe that he'll allow B'nai Yisrael to go free. He honestly meant what he said at the time when he said it. He wasn't mocking Moshe, no. He absolutely meant it. Under the influence of the sufferings of the plague, he was greatly changed. He was a new person. But afterwards, when the plague was removed, he completely forgot about his good intentions. Oh, well, that was then. Isn't that kind of a general, general tendency of people? When a person is in the midst of great suffering and under a lot of pressure, he can have very high ideals. I'm going to do this. I'm going to change. I'm going to be good. When I get out of here, I'm going to be a different person. Wow, I got healed from that. I'm out of the hospital. Boy, am I going to be different. I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to do He'll make all kinds of lofty promises without any limit. But as soon as the person has that situation improve, he is so entirely different that it's hard to recognize. Hard to recognize versus being the same person as before. When you find yourself in a very difficult situation and make resolutions to improve yourself, remember those resolutions later on. And in a similar way, anybody whose life is in danger and thinks that if he's going to be saved, he'll have a greater appreciation of all that he has. But after things return to normal, it's easy to forget your previous insights and awareness. Can any of us relate to that? Make an effort to grow from difficult situations. Don't forget your resolutions and insights. So, have you ever been in a situation where you made up a mind, your mind you're going to do something, and now you realize all those years later you kind of fizzled on it? Or is there something now you want to do? It's seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. And this last thought for you to leave you with today: the spelt and the wheat, the 
the wheat and the spelt were not damaged. They were late ripening. Why? Listen to what Rashi says. Since they were late ripening, they were soft when the barred, when the hail struck, and they were able to bend with the wind. Bend with the wind! This flexibility on their part enabled them to bounce back, and they weren't uprooted. This has Moira Dicker. Moira Dicker. Fantastic practical applications. There's a Gomorrah. If you tell me which Gomorrah this is, I will send you, um, I will treat you to a sl- two slices of pizza in your neighborhood, if you can tell me which Gomorrah this is. The statement that a person should always be as soft as a reed and, at ho- and not as hard as a cedar tree. In Avas the Reb Nussin, we find an elaboration on this theme. When a strong wind comes, a reed bends in the direction of the wind. Because of this ability, although it bends, it doesn't become uprooted. Regardless of how strong the wind, it remains in its place. The cedar tree, however, does not bend at all. A soft wind which moves the reed has no effect at all on the mighty cedar. But when there's a powerful wind, crack, the cedar breaks and falls. So, Repliskin remembers that he once heard from his late Rebbe, Chaim Mordechai Katz, the Rosh Hashim of Tells, in the name of the uh, Rabbi Yosef Leib Bloch, Zeketarik author of Shuri Das, and the Rosh Hashiva tells in Lithuania, so strong that a person needs to be very strong in his principles. You have to have ideals. You can't be wishy-washy in your ideals and your principles. And so strong that no power on earth should make you veer from the truth. Nothing should uproot that person from the values. But the way to do it is to be like a reed, a person needs softness, flexibility when talking to others. If we talk in a kind and gentle manner, this flexibility and approach should be in conjunction with a firm groundedness in Torah values and ideals. But a person, my friend, that's obstinate and inflexible when talking to others, well, that might, that might look like he's stronger, but really they're not. It's an illusion. That person can be broken a lot easier because they don't have the flexibility. They're going to, uh, to fold. His lack of flexibility will cause that if he's that if he's moved, he's going to be broken to the core. What looks like a strength is really a weakness. But softness and gentleness to the berbernacha speak nicely and gentle, gent- gently to all people, combined with persistence. Right? Softness and gentleness combined with persistence and keeping one's principles is the approach that will be victorious in the end. If you can relate to that, give me a call right now in the next thirty seconds. Otherwise, we are going to sign off and wish you a great week. 718-683-5858, 718-683-58. Can you think of a time where being firm with the principles but flexible in your approach made a difference? Can you think of a resolution or an insight that you've taken on that you're going to do, to do or you need help with doing? Or something that you remember that maybe when you weren't feeling so hard you thought you were going to do but you didn't, but you want to do it now? Hi, how are you, Perit, a.k.a. the Reb? The Reb was yes. the cause, and you are the cause. How are you? Yes, good morning. I'm sorry, I just called back because I, I didn't want to say that I do, you know, you said that I, uh, you see that I could speak. I happen to speak to women, but I, I just felt that I must give you that compliment that you are a big maven. <laughs> that I, I, Not that I consider myself such a professional speaker, but... I do speak to women, and uh, maybe uh, I would just give you the number on Carl Lushen to listen. It's on, uh, it's, it's, will you do 906-6400, 718-906-6400, that's Carl Lushen. And then it's on uh, English, and 
uh, five for women, one for English, five for women, and four for the Lay Nyman line, and then I'm number 11, Mrs. Fuhrer. You could listen that way, or else live, it's on Monday and Friday at 10. Wonderful. Thank you. You should give over a lot more and help a lot of people. Hi, Parents B, a.k.a. The Reb. Hello. All right. Ryan, I want to thank you as a producer today. I want to thank everybody who called. You can reach me on my listen line at 848-221-4605, presuming that I find my phone, which I don't know where it is right now. If you happen to <laughs> dial it and somebody picks it up, let them know I'm looking for it. Meanwhile, you can reach me at eichlermedia at gmail.com, eichlermedia at gmail.com. Join the Reb Club, and uh, you'll be the beneficiary of uh, a lot of interesting stuff. I'll tell you how you can join by reaching me at eichlermedia at gmail.com, eichlermedia at gmail.com. says, yeah, yeah, I'd like to find out more about joining the Reb Club and uh, what type of things we'd be sending out. All right, everybody, this is Parents B. Thank you, everybody. J. Root, Iran, keep up your great work. Everybody behind the scenes at J. Root and behind the microphones, we are here for you, the station that listens to you. Support J. Root. Make sure you find out people who uh, aren't listening, that are listening, that should be listening. Listen more, tell your friends about it. You can become a supporter by donating, and you become a sponsor. If you've got a business that you'd like to get on board, call us at the J. Root office. We'd love to help you because we're here to help you as much as we can. Remember, in the words of Hill, the rest is commentary. Now go and learn. Good day, New York. Good evening, Yerushalayim. Peretz B, a.k.a. The Reb. Remember, keep smiling and keep on going.